Listener supported. WNYC Studios. This is Tim Page, and... And I'm Nadia Sirota, host of Q2 Music's Meet the Composer. Season 3 starts next week. But all this week, we've been revisiting episodes of WNYC's 1980s show, also called Meet the Composer, hosted by Tim Page. Today, from the archives, a cultural giant, John Cage. You're listening to A Suite for Toy Piano by the American composer John Cage. Cage has been the personification of the musical avant-garde for over a half century. The influence of his music and ideas has been felt all over the world and will continue to be absorbed by future generations of composers. I had met a a filmmaker in Hollywood named Oscar von Fischinger, and he made a remark that uh, impressed me very much. He said, um, everything has a spirit, and that spirit can be heard if whatever the thing is, is set into vibration. I became so curious about the world in which I lived from a sound point of view that I began uh, hitting and rubbing everything that I came near. Nobody understood what I was doing. For instance, I would write a sad piece and an audience would laugh. Or I'd write something funny and they wouldn't laugh at all. I decided that if music was the language and if what we were to do was understand it, that I was going to stop writing it. And I needed to find a more satisfactory reason for writing music than thinking of it as communication or as language or something to be understood. Uh, Just in the nick of time, Gita Sarabhai, an Indian musician, came from Ahmedabad. I asked her what her teacher, who was the traditional teacher of Indian music, what he had said was the purpose of making music. And she said, the purpose of music is to sober and quiet the mind, thus making it susceptible to divine influences.
First of all, I knew from living in the United States in this century that there were no quiet places, that a quiet mind had to be quiet in a noisy place. Hmm? I have a friend who owns a lake in Northern California, and airplanes pass over that lake. And his refrigerator makes a lot of noise, too. We simply can't get away from the fact of, of sound and noise. What we have to do is change our minds and hear those sounds with enjoyment in order to live in a way where we are glad to be alive. One thing I'd like to mention quickly now is work which you put together in, if my memory serves me right, in the very early 50s called 4 Minutes 33 Seconds. And I have a feeling that if we have listeners who are not uh, aware of your work, that this may be the piece they have heard of. It consists of 4 Minutes 33 Seconds of Silence. There are people in Woodstock who haven't yet forgotten it. The first performance was in that theater at Woodstock out in the woods called the Maverick Theater. It's open at the back end where the people come in, and you could hear the breeze in the trees during the first movement. And then miraculously, when the second movement began, if you please, there were drops of rain that you could hear coming on the roof. And do you know what happened in the third movement? The people began talking because they realized that David Tudor wasn't going to make any sounds. So the sound of people talking was in the third movement. What I'm interested in in this piece is the idea behind how it should be put together. Would an ideal performance of this work take place in a soundproof room? Are we supposed to actually listen to the silence, or are we supposed to have a frame to pour in the ambiance of uh, the room we are sitting in, or the window which we are near? Tim, it doesn't matter where you are, whether you're in an anechoic chamber, or outdoors on the street. There always are sounds to hear. There is no such thing as silence, and it's been proven now with certain scientific experiments that that is the case. There's no way to stop the reception of sound. If you stop the sounds from coming from the outside, then what you hear are the sounds that are coming from the inside. One of the things I love about these Tim Page interviews is that he's not shy about ruffling feathers. And at one moment in his conversation with John Cage, things got a bit heated. I remember actually doing the Cage interview and I 
I got him a little annoyed because he was saying we should not judge sounds. And I said, in addition to your your writings and your music, you're a mycologist uh, and an expert on the gathering of mushrooms. And obviously one mushroom is not as good as another. One will kill you, one will feed you. And he got quite cross with me. (laughs) But is one sound as good as another? Uh, What's not good is trying to decide which one is good and which one is bad. The whole idea of value judgment is a mistake. If you insist on having dessert all the time instead of eating your vegetables, then you can listen to just the sounds that please you. I like to listen to all sounds. I haven't heard any that I deeply dislike. What do you think about that now? Well, I have mixed feelings about what happened with with Cage. I don't put that much credence in the idea that all sounds are as good as the other. And I think the best Cage music was written before he made that uh, discovery. On the other hand, uh, he's it, it's a very real gift that he gave us, which was the idea that anything that you called music could in fact be music. I teach one class out at USC where I tell my uh, students just to go out and find music somehow, and they come back with articles about listening to the fountain closely as if it was music or sitting outside a practice room. And they come back with very smart, very interesting essays. And so I think it's an important part of a musical education to realize that not necessarily all sounds are music, but that you can make music with all sorts of sounds. I think the thing I have the most difficulty with in terms of sound is some music. What music annoys you? uh, I don't like the regular beats. I prefer um, a kind of unpredictability of when the next sound will come. I find this very interesting because so many of the minimalist composers and the jazz composers, both who work with a very regular beat, look up to you as a a father figure. My music is now a a large body of work, and it has different aspects. Some of it could have led in this direction, but um, for myself and my own experience now, I don't really need any uh, music. I, I have enough to listen to with just the sounds of the environment. I listen to the, to the sounds of Sixth Avenue. <laughs> 